0: like me
1: in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today do you like the show and you want to help support us do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. and we are back for another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name
0: is derek diamond
1: it has been a harrowing couple of days (laughs) here for old jay funktastic so i've heard (laughs) so i've heard so what what's been going on Uh, monday i got my second moderna shot and uh I felt a little tired Monday afternoon. I got home from home from the shot. I got it in the afternoon, after work, and I came home. I was like, felt a little tired. I'm gonna take a nap. So I napped all afternoon. Woke up, felt okay, but I was like a little lightheaded. But I was all right. Um, went to bed Monday night. Slept all night. Woke up Monday morning. Felt great. I texted you and Wally, and I was like, man, got my shot yesterday. I actually feel pretty good. You know, I don't feel sick at all like people were saying then about two hours later I texted you guys back and I was just like I feel like I got hit by a manure truck (laughs) I was like it sucked dude yesterday was terrible I've I had zero energy like I was lightheaded and just uh it was the whole day was just like a blur like I just couldn't move I felt like a lump of flesh all day yesterday
0: You know, I've heard very mixed things about, it's it's the second shot that really gets people when it comes to the vaccine. I've heard very mixed things, but I I think yours might be the most extreme case. But I I didn't. Getting tired. I've heard some people, like, they feel sick. Yeah. But nothing like what you said.
1: I think like I never felt sick. I didn't, I never got, like, chills or fever or anything. It was just, like, literally every single ounce of energy just left my body. Like I just could not do anything if I just, it was awful. And then I wake up this morning, perfectly normal, perfectly fine. And then at noon I had to go to the dentist (laughs) because I have a crown on one of my molars because I had a crappy dentist a few years ago Um that my original dentist that I grew up with he retired when I was in my late 20s so I had to find a new dentist so I was looking around and I went to this one guy uh that uh, my grandma um suggested to me and he ended up screwing up this whole side of my mouth like I went to him because I had an old filling from when I was a kid that was one of those old like silver fillings and it was starting right. to like Separate from the like breakdown and separate from the tooth. So I went to him to refill it. Well, he, he was like in my mouth, like like banging around, like he was like sculpting a bust of George Washington out of my tooth, and ended up splitting my tooth up to the root. And so he ended up giving me a crown on that tooth. Well, and then, um. I got a new dentist, like he had other stuff that went wrong in my mouth. I had to go to another dentist, the guy I have now that's like had to fix all the problems that dude did, ended up cracking my crown in half Friday night, like eating a sandwich or something. And I broke my crown in half and it's going to cost me, I have a temporary one in right now. They had to, I guess, mail order me a new one. I don't know how that works. I had to pay $350 up front and then three another 350 when it comes in. And I have dental insurance, and it's still $700 out of pocket. That's ridiculous. After I don't want to
0: know what it's like without insurance.
1: After I finally got something back from federal taxes. After 10 years, I finally got a refund from the federal government, and it's going to go straight to my dentist's pocket.
0: It's so like I was telling you earlier, it's like everyone just kind of breaks even yeah. when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's always like you get a lot back from your taxes, something's going to break whether yeah. it's in your case your tooth yeah. or like an AC or your car or something like that. There's always something yeah. that you have to use it on. You can never really just fully stash it away. Yeah,
1: on, I was laying in in the the dentist chair like the 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 uh I guess what what do they call the they're not nurses. They're what are they? Uh,
0: I have no idea.
1: Yeah, the lady that works there that usually cleans my teeth, like she reached up there to pull it out, and when she did, that's when it it like I guess it, it had cracked. So she like only had half of it, and the other half like went back in my throat. And I'm all like, <laughs> I'm like, choking on my tooth. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was broken. I was like, oh, It's okay. I'm just oh man, pfft. par for the course, I guess.
0: I'm just picturing because you mentioned you had what a temporary one mail ordered to you. Like, did it come in a like a cool case? I wish like you, you just kind of open it, almost like a ring, and you just yeah. open it, and there's just the two. Right the doctor's gonna get down box. on
1: one knee. The dentist, be like, may <laughs> I put this in you? <laughs> do, I have to, do Does, uh, does it come with a re? Stuff. Does it come with a rechargeable case like like AirPods? <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the charger's not included.
1: Yeah. Do I get iTunes yeah. on it? That'd be cool if I could, like, get a tooth that, like, you know how they have those, uh, what do they call, bone conductor? Um, yeah. Yeah. Get, get one of those up in there. That'd be awesome. I could listen to music and nobody would know. That'd be awesome.
0: Hey, I could see that happening in the next few years.
1: That might be a Who thing. Knows? I need to patent that. Yeah, you should. How was your week? I hope it was better than mine. Uh, well, I got my first uh, vaccine shot
0: on Thursday and had no real side effects from it. You know, i like my arm was sore the mm-hmm. next day, but I mean that's par for the course from what I've heard most everyone when they get their first shot um other than that had a um pretty chill weekend and then uh, just kind of hit the ground running on Monday with work. you know it's you can tell that the uh the season is definitely approaching where a little less than a month away now, so mm. it, it's it's getting it's getting a little wild. So,
1: <laughs> so but anybody um, that watches the live show just know that you know it does get spotty. You know we've been pretty solid the last year because there was no baseball, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they usually during baseball season we get a little spotty with the live shows because Derek uh, Derek's schedule gets a little weird.
0: Well, luckily it's the way we're doing it this year is that games will only be Tuesday through Sunday cuz usually it I might have a series from like Wednesday to Sunday or Monday through Friday or Thursday to Tuesday so it's nice that the schedule's actually going to be fairly consistent may will be a little rough but after that it's pretty much like one week I'll be able to do the show, then the next week I won't, then one week I will. And it'll kind of go in a pattern yeah. for the most part. So once May is done, it'll be funny enough a little more structured than how it normally is.
1: Yeah. Mixmaster so, said in the we'll chat see. room that uh, his insurance only is like mine. It only covers so much for crowns. Like, then what do you pay insurance for anyway? There's Isn't always
0: I... that technicality.
1: <laughs> Always insurance is such a scam,
0: it really is. It I mean, really
1: is. I mean, wouldn't you come out ahead more ahead if you were to just take the money that you pay in insurance every year and just put that money into like a separate bank account? I mean, yeah, and then just pay cash. Like, I'm sure if you had like a surgery and you had like 10 grand saved up, you'd be like, Look, I'll just give you 10 grand. Will that cover it? I'm pretty sure they'd be like, Okay.
0: Back up the Brinks truck to the office. Yeah,
1: no kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but no, other than that, it's been pretty. Oh, um, I will be releasing so we're recording this yes. Wednesday night. Um, Thursday morning, I am releasing the Parker syndrome on YouTube.
1: Fantastic.
0: It will premiere uh Thursday morning at 7 a.m. So uh the link will be on you know Facebook. Twitter, all the social medias. I'll put it in the Discord as well for anybody who wants to watch it cuz I know it it hasn't been available for yeah. viewing since it was released now almost 2 years ago. Yeah, I know. It's been kinda a while. Kind of crazy to think about that. So, uh it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, pretty I'm pretty excited. I remember uh when we were about to release Monsters, it was just kind of like oh, uh, that feeling. I love that feeling when you're about to release something to the world. It's so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it it had a good run in festivals. You know, yeah. it had the it won a few awards and it was accepted to several other festivals, you know, a couple locally here, like one in Destin, one down in Tampa that I got to go to. So, uh it had a good run, but I'm happy to it's going to be finally released to the public to watch. So, yeah.
1: be on the lookout. Um I made the uh, the Monsters Anonymous uh YouTube page um uh, available again on YouTube because you know Derek was going to release Parker Syndrome on Amazon Prime but I got a little notice from Amazon saying that they're no longer doing short form content and uh Monsters was taken down so I released it for free on YouTube so if anybody wants to watch it just look up Monsters Anonymous um, and you'll know which one it is. It's the good one. <laughs> there's like <laughs> there's like 50 Monsters Anonymous is on there now. I'm like, Ew. whatever right. the best one is. Yeah, whatever the, the best one, one is, is, that's ours.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I actually watched uh, some of it uh, earlier today. So it's it, for those who haven't checked it out, definitely do. It's a really funny movie.
1: Yeah, and if you uh, just go look on, you know. Uh, the at help the monsters on Twitter, uh, or Monsters Anonymous on Facebook. Uh, I've got it pinned for the the top of the page, the uh, the YouTube link, so you can just go follow it and find it there. Yes, sir. But uh, it's time to go into the news, shall we? Yeah. This is an email from our friend. I am the Rampage. From Polygon.com, Blizzard Arcade Collection gets two more 1990s SNES hits for free. Lost Vikings 2 and uh, RPM Racing join 30th anniversary celebration uh, via update today. Um, The Blizzard Arcade Collection anthology that launched for PC and consoles back in February. uh, Two more throwbacks have joined. Lost Vikings 2... A sequel to the side-scrolling platformer included with the collection at launch and RPM Racing, an isometric-style truck racer similar to the uh, also-included Rock and Roll Racing. Uh, Available, uh, let's see, for the Nintendo Switch. It released in February for Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. The anthology is a celebration of the publisher studio's 30th anniversary. Um, Did you ever play? I never played uh, Lost Vikings.
0: I did not, and it's funny because that's two more SNES hits that Nintendo themselves have actually released lately. Yeah, (laughs) uh,
1: this—I mean, RPM Racing looks pretty pretty cool too. Like it was uh, looks like RC Pro Am, which I think that's uh, what I was going to say. What it is, and if I'm not mistaken, RC Pro Am was made by Rare, Mm -hmm. an early Rare game back in the day.
0: Hmm. Yeah, looking at the screenshot,
1: that's exactly what it reminded me of, mm-hmm. just with giant trucks. Might have to go check this out. Even though Blizzard has uh, aggravated me the last couple of months, this looks like a, a cool collection to have, though.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I like seeing collections like this that studios will release for you know, Switch, PS4, whatever the case may be. Because there's usually a couple that are in there that, that make it worth it. So. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I would agree with that. I like to play RPM racing. Nah, yeah, it looks fun. I wonder if it's a uh if you could play online. Cause that would be fun. I'm not sure. It looks like it's two player. Yeah, it does.
0: But our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Konami's canceled Castlevania game for Dreamcast has been resurrected. I'm sure Joey Image will love this story. I know he's mm-hmm. a huge Dreamcast fan. <laughs> There have been a lot of promising games canceled over the years. Fortunately, more of them seem to be returning from the dead. Already this year, GoldenEye 007, XBLA, and Dinosaur Planet have been leaked online. And now to add to this, a pre-E3 demo of Castlevania Resurrection has surfaced. This title was originally announced by Konami in 1999 and was intended to be a Sega Dreamcast release until it was delayed and then canceled around the year 2000. It's believed the Dreamcast struggles and the PlayStation 2's success were contributing factors. Before it was canceled, it was shown off to the press, and now somehow, out of nowhere, a video of the game being played has been uploaded to YouTube titled Castlevania Resurrection Exists. It appears to be an early build of the game, predating 1999, and allowed the developer to transport the character to many different areas. And there's a screenshot of the disc here, and you can tell it's like a... I don't want to say a beta version, but it's definitely a version that someone just so yeah. happened to have. It has handwritten mm-hmm. on it. Castlevania Resurrection, the date, November 5th, 1999. This is really cool. And I, I feel like just more and more we keep hearing these types of stories about these old
1: games that, no
0: pun intended, are resurrected.
1: Yeah. And it's cool, too, because, I, you know, I'm a huge Castlevania fan. And uh, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done for uh you know the Dreamcast if the Dreamcast would have uh stuck around and i just I wonder why it was canceled to begin with. I don't know it's it could be many
0: things you know and it makes me wonder why a lot of these games get canceled. I mean some of them are just they're abandoned yeah. Well, I hope this says-
1: thing gets uh, preserved in some way.
0: Hopefully so. Uh, it says here the title was apparently intended to focus on Sonya Belmont and a character called Victor Belmont. It would have taken place in 1666, right before Simon Belmont's original outing. That's cool. Yeah, so that, that would have been uh, an interesting take on
1: you know chronologically where the story is. Yeah, I wish Konami would do a new Castlevania game. It's time.
0: There's a lot of those old franchises that need to be brought back, and Castlevania yeah, is one of them.
1: Absolutely, uh, from NintendoLife.com, Doc Cosmos is on the way to Game Boy Color in 2021. Um, courtesy of Bitmap Soft and developer Simon Jameson, who can often be found working on retro hardware coding on Twitch. Doc Cosmos is the game being brought to Game Boy Color as a new release with some nice packaging that includes a manual and some stickers. Uh, It's a game that was originally on Commodore 64, which has been reproduced and improved now for its new release on Game Boy Color. It sounds like its time travel mechanic could be quite fun too. Um, And then a quote, uh, In the present timeline, Doc will be able to jump with a lot of control, allowing Doc to be controlled in mid-air. In the past timeline, however, Doc will look and control differently, being able to jump. Less high, but slightly further forward, and with no additional mid-air control. Much like early video games. Um, additionally, some map elements are only present in one timeline and not the other. Switch timelines to discover hidden ladders, bridges, and other things to help you get through the map. Uh, pre-orders for a target delivery in June are open on the Bitmapsoft webs- website, And it's worth clarifying, this is an actual Game Boy Color game and will only work on that hardware. That's cool. I'm not going to
0: lie, looking at this graphic here at the top of the screen where they show the box art, Mm -hmm. seeing that little notice in the bottom right corner that says, only for Game Boy Color, (laughs) it kind of makes me geek out a little bit. I know. Because I remember, and we'll talk a little bit about the Game Boy in this month in video game history, but... I remember when the Game Boy Color came out, just how much of a game changer Mm -hmm. that was. Because you play the old Game Boy and it has those, you know, like grayscale, black and white type graphics, and then when you plug in Game Boy Color, it's just like you're like Dorothy leaving (laughs) Kansas and going into the Land of Oz, like almost literally. And so many games took, you know, the the color aspect of the Game Boy Color. And incorporated it into their game. Like, you know, I know you've played the Link's Awakening Remaster. Oh yeah. The color dungeon that they added was added in the DX version of Link's Awakening, Mm -hmm. specifically because of the Game Boy Color. Like, you could visit, you could go to the dungeon if you played on the regular Game Boy, but you had to pass a test where you had to like (laughs) pick out like what color was on the screen. Yeah. In order to go through, and obviously if you had. (laughs) grayscale you couldn't do it but the the, back to this game though this this looks pretty cool like you can look at the graphics and tell that this was 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 made for the commodore 64 because it has a little bit of that 8-bit type of feel to it but i mean i think the colors are very vibrant Mm -hmm. for a game like this it it sounds really cool
1: i'll give it that i would definitely play it if i had a game boy color
0: I don't know if I have my old Game Boy you Color. Check and I don't see.
1: If you have I don't it. think
0: I I don't think I do. But I'd have to look at my parents' house or something. I know I still have my Game Boy Advance.
1: But yes. I don't know if I
0: have the Game Boy Color.
1: Yes, Mixmaster. You're going to be on N C R soon. You're going to be our community spotlight guest next month. The Mixmaster Mix will be on.
0: The Mixmaster himself. Can't wait. But yeah, Dot Cosmos sounds like a pretty cool game.
1: I love the artwork for it, too. It's got It's totally 90s. Oh, 100%.
0: <laughs> Our next story comes to us from Gamasutra.com. Love that website name. <laughs> Atari sets up two new divisions, Atari Gaming and Atari Blockchain. Atari has established two divisions with very different focuses, and as a result now has a new CEO at the helm. The retro-aligned company announced the shift this week, noting that it has established Atari Gaming and Atari Blockchain to group its two main business focuses into their own divisions. As part of that, now-former CEO, Frederick Chesnace, yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, has stepped down in order to focus entirely on Atari's blockchain dealings and licensing. In his place, board chairman Wade J. Rosen has stepped in as CEO. The new Atari gaming division aims to focus on expanding the market of retro games and will specifically see the company license its brands and games, continue to develop free-to-play mobile games, and revitalize classic Atari IP with an expansion into the console and PC market. I don't know if they should be talking about that quite yet. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This division also concerns itself with Atari's retro-inspired console, the Atari VCS, and plans to expand the development tools offered for its platform while Atari Blockchain is chiefly concerned with products and services related to its Atari token cryptocurrency. This division also aims to explore ways that crypto and blockchain can be used within games or on the VCS. I had no idea Atari was
1: into Bitcoin. I did not either. <laughs> Atari token? <laughs> can, I, can I buy this on Robinhood? Right. <laughs>
0: I hope to see that, like, no lie, I hope to see that on Robin Hood. That I, would just I, be
1: hilarious to me. I feel like Atari has fallen so far from their, what they were. It, I don't know. This is such a weird story. Like, At- what are, th- I this, mean. This is weirder
0: than Sega making pachinko machines.
1: I know. And, like, they're doing hotels and casino business, like, Why? Who wouldn't want to stay at an Atari hotel? I mean, we talked about this a while back. Like, that's so... Atari hasn't been relevant in 40 years.
0: (laughs) Which is sad to say, because a lot of people grew up with the Atari. Yeah. And people have such fond memories of of that company. And just to see what they're doing now is really kind of sad.
1: Dude, and that VCS is dead on arrival, man. I'm telling you. Hashtag D-O-A. Yes. Uh, for our last story, this is from ReadRetro.com. New versions for Xbox and PS5 of Alex Kidd and Miracle World DX. Uh, a remake of the classic Master System platformer is in the works. A full list of all platforms which the game will be available is PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox Series X, uh, series X, I think they they must have missed the Xbox series and one switch and PC uh, the through both steam and Epic game store. It will be released on June 24th, costing $1999. Um, let's see a few news. I don't know who wrote this, but the, this is like terrible <laughs> yeah, English. It, it ain't great. Uh, you can play both the, the original game in classic mode and also use a single button to swap between old and new graphics. A feature also used in games such as the upcoming Diablo 2 Resurrected. This version will also contain both new and remastered music from the original game. Um I never played Alex Kidd in Miracle World, but from what I hear it's it's an okay platformer. I just I know that 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 was the original kind of mascot for Sega where they were trying to compete with Mario, but mm-hmm. didn't really take off until sonic rolled around
0: yeah i'd be interested in trying it because you know i i love a a good platformer yeah i don't know if it is a good platformer but i'd be interested in trying it because i'm i'm looking at a little bit of the the graphics right now it's it's very bright and animated like i I dig the style of it yeah and i think it's also cool that you can switch between the new graphics and the original ones so yeah and for 19.99, I mean, I'd probably wait for it to go on sale, mm-hmm. but I'd be interested in trying it. I-, I like trying new platformers that I've never played before.
1: Yeah, I I might might try it out too. Like I said, I've never played it, and I'm interested too because that is kind of a big, you know, uh, franchise in Sega's history. You know, back in the day. Yeah, but uh, it's time yeah, to move into this month in video game history. In April 1985, Game Arts releases Thexter for the NEC PC-8801. What is Thexter? I'm not going to lie. I just threw this in
0: here because I like that word. Thexter. <laughs> the,
1: I love that box art. That is right? 80s as you can get.
0: It's a little bit of Tron, a little bit of Transformers. A little bit of Gundam. You know, A little bit of Gundam, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a run-and-gun game, so... Hmm. I, I'd be... Was, was this ever released in the States? I don't think so. Yeah, it was released in Japan in 85. Scanning through it now, yeah, I don't... I don't see it available anywhere. It Is was they- released for the NEC PC-8801, Famicom, Amiga, Apple II... Apple II GS, but nothing. I mean, it's a race for a few other things beyond that, but
1: yeah, it's nothing said, um, that I see in the States. Game Arts licensed Dexter to Square in order to develop a conversion for the NES game console, but then nothing after that. Hmm. Interesting. I would have played this.
0: Yeah. On April 20th of 1990, Nintendo releases Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light in Japan, innovating the tactical role-playing genre. Funny enough, I feel like Smash Brothers actually made Fire Emblem more popular Uh in the United States because in Melee, they incorporated the use of two characters from the Fire Emblem series. And before that, no one really outside of Japan knew what Fire Emblem was and since then i believe they have released fire emblem games in the states
1: and the award for longest game title goes to fire emblem <laughs> <laughs> shadow dragon and the blade <laughs> of light uh april 24th uh, of 1995 oh do you have something else to say about oh it? No, no go ahead uh april 24th of 1995 satella is that i hope i'm saying this right satella, satella view. view accessory for the super famicom console in japan only is released What is the Satella view?
0: Oh, look at that thing. Look
1: at this glorious piece (laughs) of machinery here. Uh, Wow. It's bigger than the actual Super Famicom. I know. Uh, One megabit of ROM space and an additional 512 kilobytes of RAM allowed players to download games, magazines, and other forms of content through satellite broadcasts provided by Japanese company uh, St. Giga. I guess that's right. Sure. Uh to use Satellaview, players had to purchase a special broadcast satellite tuner directly from Saint Giga or rent one for a 6-month fee and to pay monthly maintenance fees to both Saint Giga and Nintendo. It was a, it was attached to the bottom of the Super Famicom via the expansion port. Uh, featured heavy support from third-party developers including SquareSoft, Taito, Konami, Capcom and Sita.
0: And it was discontinued in June of 2000. That's kind of cool. You Japan get... always got the cool additions. I know. Like, I always think of the Nintendo 64 disk drive.
1: Yeah. That
0: was released in Japan, but it never made it over here because they had the addition to um, Ocarina of Time, where they had like the. They released it in the States called Master Quest, mm-hmm. where all the dungeons were mirrored and were a little bit harder. But yeah, Japan always got the the cool like additions to consoles. Like, it just all that stuff you read just sounds ridiculous yeah. in a way, but it's actually <laughs> kind of cool. Like, you have to buy a satellite dish yeah. <laughs> in order to play
1: this. Like, yeah, but think of all the extra content you would have had. Oh, absolutely. And with an extra, I know, I know, it doesn't sound like a a lot now. But one megabit of ROM space and an additional 512 kilobytes of RAM for a Super Nintendo would have like, that's like, you know, like, that sounds like nothing. But back then, that was a lot. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
0: Yes, it has. In April of 1996, Eidos, or Eidos, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, Interactive acquires Centragold for 17.6 million pounds, which translates roughly to $21 million in the States, which holds Core Design and U.S. Gold, which is a, not the gold mineral, but a company. <laughs> but the interesting <laughs> thing about Core Design is they created the character Lara Croft.
1: So at that time was worth, yeah, uh, twenty one million U.S. dollars, probably more.
0: Like I never got into the Tomb Raider games, but I remember seeing them advertised like crazy. Oh yeah, on TV back in the nineties.
1: Yeah, I never played. I don't think I've ever played a ever played a Lara Croft game. I haven't either. That was around the time I, I was not playing video games at the time. That was my nineteen. Was- 19- 1996 was my first year of college.
0: See, I was 96. I would have been... I mean, I would have been turning 10. <laughs> you shut your
1: face, young man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since when did Steve Wise join the show? I know. <laughs> uh, April 14th of 1998, Nintendo's Game Boy Light handheld console is released in Japan.
0: Which is the equivalent to the Game Boy Pocket, mm-hmm. which was released in the United States. Which was literally the Game Boy, no better graphics or anything like that. It was just a smaller version, yeah, of the Game Boy. It which
1: wasn't the twelve-pound brick that the Game Boy originally was.
0: I think I mentioned this last week, but we went to the flea market a couple of weekends ago, and they had an old Game Boy. And like it wasn't in great condition, so like I didn't even think to buy it. But I thought to myself, you could really hurt somebody if you threw that at them. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's insane. Just like, and the Game Boy Pocket was quite a bit smaller. Like you could literally put it in your back pocket of your mm. pants, which made it which made it great. Like I, I I enjoyed the Game Boy Pocket, but graphically it wasn't really. An update it had no backlit screen i think yeah. or anything um well the let's see it says here the game boy light is only slightly bigger than the game boy pocket and features an electro luminescent background for low light conditions so this did have a backlight on it hmm.
1: which was pretty cool that's cool yeah never, never got that over here i don't think a back original game boy like that
0: I don't think it was a part of the Game Boy Pocket. I still think you had to get the um the light accessory to to play in the dark.
1: Yeah. Mixmaster brings up a good point that they're they're still making Lara Croft games uh mm-hmm. all the way up to the PS4, but like I said, I've just never played them.
0: They just never really appealed to me for some reason. But our last story for this month in video game history on April 3rd of 2001 Activision releases The Simpsons Wrestling for the PlayStation. Hmm. The game was widely panned by critics and is considered to be one of the worst video games of all time. Wow. I watched, some game, I watched some gameplay of it. I, like. I haven't played it, so I can't really say whether or not I think it's one of the worst video games of all time. But it don't look great.
1: <laughs> I've never seen this.
0: Yeah, what? I remember seeing it in stores back in the day. With uh, groundskeeper Willie, mm-hmm. got uh, ready to throw Homer Simpson in the fifth <laughs> row.
1: Yeah, this was still back in the days of uh, licensed games being a bit on the crap side.
0: Yeah, you had your your hits every now and then, but yeah, around this time, like I, I still, for the most part, stay away from adaptations, but some of them
1: aren't bad. Just makes me wonder, you know, you had all these Simpsons games out. Uh, back then why was the Simpsons arcade game never ported to a home system
0: I don't know because I
1: love the Simpsons arcade so game good
0: there was a, a movie theater about half an hour from my parents house that had the Simpsons arcade and we uh, when we would go watch movies a few of us would go early so that we could play that game yeah. before it was time to go in and watch the movie. Like it that game is so much fun.
1: I mean, that was one of those games that, you know, you go to the arcade and it would be one of those machines that just had tons of people around it playing it. Yeah. So fun, and I just don't understand why it never got a a, a home port. That's so baffling to me.
0: It doesn't get nearly the love that the Ninja Turtles arcade game no. does, and it's
1: I think it's just as good, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would still prefer the Ninja Turtles one, but the Simpsons one is is still really good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just it, it depends on what your preference is, really. But when you break it down to its basic like fighting game, what it is a fighting game, those two games run neck and neck. I mean, for a fun factor.
0: Well, they play very similar, too.
1: Yeah. Because you got so. Marge with her vacuum cleaner. You got... Uh, Bart's got you know, hits people with a skateboard like it's just such a cool game yeah I like it uh, before we go into our review for tonight Derek has shout outs
0: yes as always we we'll like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerd retro we want to shout out Armez Jackson xblade 7 Daniel Salmon John Jekyll aka the Mixmaster himself Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, the fact checker to the fact checker, Mr. Tyler Watson, (laughs) Justin Olson, Brandon Rutledge, Donner Party of Five, Gus and Penny, and Jason May. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us here at the podcast. And because you have kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks like our most recent one, which was a two-for-one special of The Real Ghostbusters and The Muppet Show. So if you want access to those early and you want to vote on topics that we talk about here throughout the show, just head on over to Patreon.com slash And if you're a new patron, be sure to send us your social media information so we can give you a proper shout-out.
1: I'm sorry. Before we go into the review, Mixmaster just revealed in the chat room he's never watched The Simpsons. What? How have you never seen The Simpsons? I, that's that, crazy. That's mind-boggling. I mean, like, I'm not a huge Simpsons fan,
0: but, like, I went through a phase in middle school where I watched The Simpsons, because like, it would come on Fox. Or, yeah, I think it was Fox. It came on, like, in mm-hmm. syndication. Like, they would show reruns of it throughout the week, and I would watch it, like, every night.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Even if you don't like The Simpsons or whatever, it's been on for 30 years. I mean, you had to have accidentally seen it once or twice. <laughs> I'm st- are you shocked that that show
0: is still going?
1: Yeah, honestly. I mean, I haven't watched it in, like, probably 15 years. To be honest, I think Futurama is a better show, and I wish Futurama was still around, but that's just me. Futurama was a fun
0: show. Yeah, Futurama was on- great. I honestly thought after the Simpsons movie that the show would be done. Because yeah. I actually really liked the movie.
1: I think if you're going to go back and watch the Simpsons, probably the first... I'd say seven or eight seasons are are all you really need. And then the rest is just kind of like what I've seen over the past like 15 years. I don't know. It just doesn't, it's, I don't know. It doesn't really have that magic that it did back then. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad show or anything. It's just, I don't know. It just does, I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like Futurama's the better show. And I wish it was still around. Futurama was a fun show. But tonight, Derek's going to be talking about. Hmm. music's not terrible
0: in this game I I found myself getting into it a couple of times but uh, this week I will be reviewing Fire and Ice which is also known as Solomon's Key 2 which is technically a prequel to the original Solomon's Key game. And I know I, I think I scared Jason a bit whenever I put this on the, the Google Doc. He was like, wait a minute, I think you put in the wrong game, which yeah. honestly I thought I did too. <laughs> so I opened the Wikipedia page and it says Solomon's Key 2, and I'm like, wait a minute. It looks like the game I've been playing, but it's not the same name. And then it, just, it says here it's known as Fire and Ice in North America. Why North was
1: North. it called, why was it renamed Fire and Ice and not Solomon's Key 2?
0: I'm not entirely sure. It it doesn't really make that much sense to me. But to take you back to the days of Nintendo Power, still probably my favorite magazine of all time, mm-hmm. I remember reading a brief synopsis of this game in Nintendo Power. And the look of it, I remember it had one screenshot, and it was just like a very brief, like it might have been like two or three paragraphs, if that. And I had remembered being intrigued by it. Because, you know, I, I I like a good puzzle game mm. every now and then. I don't play them that often. You know, like I, I love Tetris. Tetris is one of my favorite Game Boy specific games um of all time. Mm. So I, I I do enjoy a good puzzle game, but I don't play them all that often. I mean, I've got a couple that I play on my phone every now and then, but when this was released on the Nintendo Switch online store in February, I thought to myself, I got to play that game because I never played it as a kid. I instantly thought of that article that I read in Nintendo Power. And to tell you a little bit about the game itself and what makes this game stand out to me about, about other than other puzzle games. It actually has a story to it. Most puzzle games don't really have that. Yeah. So, the game's plot takes place before the original Solomon's Key and is framed as a story being told by an elderly woman to her grandchildren. The story takes place on Kulmet Island, an island made of ice and home to the winter fairies. When the evil wizard Druidle begins sending flame monsters to attack and melt the island, the queen of the fairies summons the apprentice wizard Dana to defend them, granting him the use of ice magic to help extinguish the flame monsters. So, in each stage... What you have to do is there are a few flames that are sprinkled throughout the puzzle, and your job is to extinguish them. The cool thing is you can use your, your magic abilities to create blocks of ice, and you can also use them as platforms to like you can look at the screenshot on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. You can see how it's kind of like a kind of like a tall tower that you have to climb up and you see the flames sprinkled uh, throughout the map. You can drop ice on the flames. You can kick blocks of ice into them. As long as the fire makes contact with the ice, then it's extinguished. Mm. And once you extinguish all the flames, you win that map, and then you move on to the next one. And it's actually a pretty lengthy game. There are 10 worlds, each with 10 stages. So it has quite a bit of, I not want to say replayability, but... It's not a puzzle game that you can just put down and you've you've beaten it in 20 minutes. Yeah. It actually has some some meat to it, which I really like. And I still haven't finished it. I think I'm a little over halfway through. And the cool thing is, is that the um the game does get more challenging, which I really like. Because the first few maps I was like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, kick that block of ice here, I'll drop that there. Yeah. But there there have been a few times that I've had to to restart because you once you get to a certain point or you get stuck, you have to to restart. And the, the cool thing is that you have unlimited lives. So it's not like you get a game over and have to start all the way over. But uh-huh. after each world, there's not necessarily a boss fight, but a boss character will trap you in a maze that you have to get out of in a certain time. So like the first one you're in this tower, and you have lava that's rising as time progresses, so you have to climb while dousing flames. <laughs> Once you douse the flames, you win, and you keep going. Okay. So it, it's, a, it's a pretty neat little game. And it, it's the story, as I mentioned, is pretty, pretty straightforward, and the gameplay is pretty straightforward. Um, I think the fact that you can't jump makes it difficult. Yeah. Because you, you have to climb things and use your magic to create blocks of ice to be able to you know cross pathways or climb or even descend in some ways. So it, it it's it can get a little challenging as the game progresses. So it's it's a fun game that I would say if you wanna play something a little different, mm-hmm. if you wanna get away from just like say if you're playing an RPG or you're playing something like a Mario that has you know more story based i would say if you want to play a fun puzzle game and you have the switch definitely check out fire and ice i i've really enjoyed it and it's one of those games that i think i would have really liked had i played it as a kid and i, I forgot to mention it is for the uh for the nes yeah it was released it was released in japan in january of 92 and came out in North America in March of 93. I
1: gonna say, I, I'll have to try this out, because I, I did try playing the original Solomon's Key, which is on the Nintendo shop on the, the Switch, mm-hmm. and um, I, I really didn't get into it. It was a little... I don't know, it just really didn't capture my attention. Um, so I'm wondering how much different this one is from the first one.
0: Yeah, I haven't played the original one, so I can't really compare it, but uh, you'll you'll like this too. So the Japanese version has an internal save battery. (gasps) Guess what the English version has? A battery? No. Password system. Why? (laughs) But... The good thing about playing it on the Switch yeah. is that it doesn't matter. But still. but still, it's 1992. The Super Nintendo is out by that point. You you got a battery in Mario World. You got a battery in Link to the Past. I mean, you got a battery in the original Legend of Zelda for the NES. Why yeah. can't you have it in
1: Fire and Ice? Especially for games... Or any other game released around that time. Especially for games of this length. You know? yes. I just I don't understand why you would not put a battery back up because and it wouldn't have been so bad if the passwords were easy. But they never yep. were. <laughs> they never were. They're like weird characters and is that a zero or a an an O or is that a one or a seven? Like it never came out okay. Like I would be playing a game, get really far have to write down the, the, the password and inevitably would get, one, so, get something wrong and it would never work. And it's not like now where you could just take your phone and take a quick snapshot of the password. No, you had to carefully write that stuff down. And if you got I something s- wrong, that was it.
0: I specifically remember playing Tales Adventure for the Game Gear. And that had a password system, and I had a notebook where I would keep the passwords in it. Because mm-hmm. it was like a four lines of four characters, and thankfully they were only letters and numbers, from what I remember. But yeah, I had I had a little notebook that was dedicated specifically for passwords.
1: Just the but, word password system sends, like, it makes my skin crawl.
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, the Legend of Zelda for NES had a battery backup. I, I don't know if it was a cost thing. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I would
1: honestly like to know an explanation. It had to be a cost-saving measure. It had to be. I mean, if you have the technology, why not do that? And yeah. it's, it's literally a watch battery. They're not that expensive.
0: They're really not. I don't know. If if we ever interviewed somebody who worked in video <laughs> games during that era, I would want to ask that question. Oh God, I would love to. Like, like just I mean maybe there is a valid reason. I don't know.
1: Maybe. I, but I would just like to hear it.
0: But if there like was to...
1: a valid reason, they could have at least come up with password systems that were easier. You would think.
0: hmm You would think. But another cool thing about Fire and Ice is that once you complete all 100 stages and beat the final boss, you get a cheat code that unlocks a sound test option and 50 additional bonus stages. Wow. It also features a stage editor where you can design your own stage and puzzles. That's cool. Which I think is really cool. But however... Only the Japanese version allows players to save them.
1: Of course. Because they were smart (laughs) enough to have battery backup. (laughs) That hurts my soul.
0: Tecmo giveth. And Tecmo Tecmo taketh away. (laughs) But no, I I actually really like the Fire and Ice game. Uh, It's one that, you know, if I want to kill 20 or 30 minutes, I'll just grab the Switch and and play you know play Fire and Ice. Hmm. Cuz I've right now I've been kind of alternating between Crash Bandicoot 4 and Retromania Wrestling. But I do keep going back to Fire and Ice a little bit. Like yeah. it, it's if you got a Switch and you have the online shop, definitely check it out. You know, if you like puzzle games, it is worth your time.
1: Yeah. I'll have to go play it this weekend. I I've never played it, so I'll give it a shot. You should. I I, I think you'll I think you'll get a kick out of it. You know it. me, I love a good puzzle game.
0: Yeah. I, I think you'll like it. It's and like I said, as it progresses, the puzzles get a little more challenging, so but it, they get more challenging to me at the right pace.
1: Yeah. Which I which I think is nice. Yeah, and Mixmaster's right. Like once they started adding symbols into the password systems too, it was like, oh, you're gonna add another layer of <laughs> insanity. To these passwords, like, come on, man. Of course. Ugh. Ugh. Of course.
0: <laughs> but, but uh, it, If I were to give this game a number score scale of 1 to 10, I'd say I'd probably give it a solid 7.
1: Okay, that's not bad. Like,
0: I, I think it's... I still prefer games like Tetris or Dr. Mario if I want to play a puzzle game, but yeah. Fire and Ice is solid. I, I actually really liked it, so check nice. it out.
1: I'll check it out yeah if you like it, then I will like it yeah um, so next week, we're not doing a review next week, we're going to do our round table discussion of the weirdest advertising mascots of the last i'm gonna say forty years since roughly since nineteen eighty the what are the top five weird we're gonna each do me Derek, and Wally are going Wally's gonna be joining us and, and uh we're gonna do our personal top five weirdest advertising mascots.
0: I can't tell you how cool it is that we're doing a top five because I'm doing the top five on my show next week, too. Awesome.
1: (laughs) I'm doing top five movies of the 90s. So if you want to join in the conversation, uh, just either email us or uh, send us a message, um, either on Facebook or Twitter, um, what you think are some of the weirdest advertising mascots of the last 40 years. You know, like those weird little Quiznos. Uh, what were they? What were they? Like chinchillas or something? Yeah, I always thought it was like a
0: rat or something.
1: Yeah, I don't I know. can't remember.
0: I, it's been so long since I've seen the Quiznos commercials.
1: And I have one in my list that I don't know if you guys will remember this, but uh, um, I'm not going to say them right now. But when I bring him up, you're going to be like, oh yeah, forgot about that guy. He was terror-inducing.
0: Spoiler alert, the Burger King is my number one through five.
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's not quite as terror-inducing as the, the one that I'm, I, I'm holding in my, my back pocket. I'm going to do some research and see if I can figure it out. I won't guess,
0: but okay, I, I'm going to do some research. Okay. <laughs> but no, uh, I'm I'm excited for that. You know I love a good top five list.
1: Oh yeah, me too. I can't
0: that's wait. That's gonna be fun. That's um, gonna be great.
1: So yeah, that's uh that's pretty much gonna do it for this week. What uh what's going on over at the Derek Diamond experience?
0: So this week I had a lot of fun talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, specifically the John Walker character and mm-hmm. why he's such a douchebag that you have to love him. Yeah. <laughs> So, I talk about specifically his character, but what overall I think of Falcon and Winter Soldier so far, uh, which has really picked up over the last couple of weeks. So, if you haven't watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, definitely check it out. Um, I also chat with a f- couple of the cast members and the writer director from a fun indie film that I watched, which is available now on YouTube, Amazon, really anywhere you get, uh, f- you can stream films it's called Warmed Over Krautrock. It's about a, a group of people who work in a record store oh. and their lives and how they interact with each other. It, it's a it's a fun little character film that I really like. So, uh and then next week I will be doing my Oscar's predictions as well as my top 5 movies from the 1990s. Yes. So that that's going to be a tough list to do. I know. But but, but I'm, I'm excited in the 90s. for it. Yeah. E- but yeah, that's uh that's what's going on with the Derek Diamond experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. You can find the video versions of the show on YouTube and the audio version, really anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Wherever you find them.
1: Yeah. Same thing with uh open micers. Earlier tonight, we just talked to a comedian uh from Mobile, Ryan Adams, who's one of the funniest people I know. Uh, and one of my good friends. So when that drops on Saturday, go check that episode out. And um, uh, last week we talked to Compton Smith, who came his a second visit to the show to finish his story about how he got his essence all over Jacob's face. So
0: <laughs> Just the way you say that is so funny, just yeah. his essence. His essence.
1: So go check out Open Micers wherever... Fine podcasts are given away for free. Uh, And at Open Micers on Twitter and Open Micers Podcast on Facebook. And uh, you brought up John Walker a minute ago. I have a feeling he's going to have the big redemption arc over the next couple of years in the MCU. You get that feeling? Like, he's such (laughs) a douche. He's such a terrible person that, you know, I mean... If you read Marvel Comics, I mean, I'm familiar with U.S. Agent. You know, I was a huge Captain America fan when I was a kid through the 90s. Um, Of course, U.S. Agent. Like, you know he doesn't end up being a bad guy. So he's going to have that big redemption arc over the next couple of years.
0: But, man, when the Wakandians showed up and he started bad-mouthing them, I'm yeah. like, dude, you we were about to get your ass handed to you,
1: and boy, did he. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got to get humbled, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, the la- I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it, but the last, like, 30 seconds of that episode, spe- specifically that ending shot, yeah, was just like,
1: holy crap. <laughs> the show has turned a corner it
0: started a bit slow but to me the last two episodes were really good yeah i'm excited for the
1: next two holy crap yep i'm so into that show it's it's marvel is just firing on all cylinders right now with that show
0: well and i don't want to get into like a full-on discussion about it but what i love about the show specifically is that they are not afraid to touch on like real-life issues that are going on right now. Those who have watched the show, you know what I'm talking
1: about. Mm -hmm. Of course. But I love that show. I can't wait. I'm going to be sad when it's over.
0: Only two episodes left.
1: No, Don't remind me. So what comes after that?
0: I know Loki is coming out, but I don't think we get Loki until June. Yeah, that's
1: a ways off.
0: I don't know when What If starts. Okay. Cause I'm interested in that. It just says the summer of 2021, so we might have a little bit of a break with the Marvel content, which is unfortunate. Because I loved how we went right from Wanda into Falcon and Winter Soldier.
1: I know I'm ready for Kenobi. Uh, come on! Oh Kenobi. my god! Yeah, Black Widow drops on uh, in July. Disney Plus in July. Uh, I'm not sure when Loki drops, but I think Black Widow might be the first, the next thing to drop for Marvel.
0: I want to say Loki's, like, June 11th.
1: Yeah, it's somewhere around there. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think that's going to do it for the show. Um, I think that's it. Anything else you yep. want to throw out there before we go this evening?
0: No, just don't forget to check out The Parker Syndrome, which will be available oh, yes. on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching live tomorrow morning, if you're listening, it'll be out Thursday morning. Uh, just check out uh, The Parker Syndrome on Facebook and check out uh, Anchor of Reality Films on YouTube. That's where you can find the film. So I'll, I'll be posting it in the Discord through social media and everything. So awesome. if you listen to the show, you'll have a way to watch it.
1: Cool well let's go ahead and get out of here what do you say let's do it if you would like to email us you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're at nerdcaveretro.com we're on instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at derrick underscore diamond Uh, go buy some merch we got some cool t-shirt designs up on the store right now at ncrmerch.com we're on facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro and also if you want to support the show go over to Patreon, Patreon.com/MaryKateRetro. Throw us a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on, and we do those extra episodes every month for you. If you can't do that, can't for can't afford any merch, can't go to the Patreon, we understand. It's been a tough year. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wah. Wah.